One of the great misunderstandings of the spiritual life is this idea that to be spiritual, to be a person of great prayer, means that somehow you have to leave your humanity behind. That we're trying to get rid of all that is of the flesh, all that is of you know, the ordinary stuff of humanity, and trying to live a purely spiritual life. We need to be very clear that that is a heresy. You know, there has been this ancient heresy haunting the church for centuries called dualism. This idea that the body is bad and the spirit is good. And there is still a strong tendency within the, the spirituality of our church to think this way. And so even when we think about spirituality, we, we think of people who leave behind the ordinary things of humanity and try to flee into monasteries, places which are more sanctified and you know, holy, that they can somehow just leave the, the flesh and now be spiritual. We need to be very clear that the, the path that Jesus showed us was the complete opposite. And I think in terms of trying to create a link between the journey of prayer and then the practical living of discipleship, this is just a really key point we've got to focus on. The temptation of Jesus in the desert is one of the most important passages in the Gospels for trying to understand the spiritual life. I'm sure you're very familiar with the story. The basic thing is that after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan and he's preparing himself to go out on mission, the Spirit sends him into the desert. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he eats nothing. And then the greatest understatement in the whole of the Bible, it says, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. But it's a really important line. As much as it sounds completely obvious, what it's trying to say here is, Jesus was a human being. And, and we can forget that sometimes. You know, I think everyone in the church either swings too far towards the divinity of Christ or too far towards the humanity of Christ. It's, it's so hard to hold the two together in some sort of harmony. But really what that line in the gospel is trying to point out, it's saying, you know, he was a human being. He was fully human. His, his stomach was being turned inside out with hunger. You know, he was so thirsty, he probably could barely speak. You know, his, his mouth would have been sticking together. There is something that Jesus is trying to show us about how to become divine. You know, if, if the whole journey of the Christian life is that we are meant to share in the divinity of Christ, he basically shows us the pathway is by sharing in the humanity of Christ. This is not about trying to leave behind the world or trying to leave behind our humanity, but it's actually about trying to immerse ourselves fully in it. Now, let me explain. To understand the temptation of Jesus in the desert, you've got to go right back to the story of the Garden of Eden. Because what really happened there at the Garden of Eden was the opposite of what Jesus did. In the Garden of Eden, 
Adam and Eve, for the first time ever, look at themselves and they see their weakness and their vulnerability. You know, as it says, their eyes were opened and they saw their nakedness. But what it kind of reveals is that from that point on, they are desperately trying to run away from their weakness and their vulnerability. The whole story of human history ever since the Garden of Eden has been a story of grasping and fighting and trying to accumulate more and more possessions, trying to surround ourselves with more security and more power and more opportunity, more stuff, so that we don't have to be human anymore. You know, that we basically find ourselves doing the same thing that Adam and Eve did. We look at ourselves and we see that we are naked and we hate that. You know, we hate the fact that we are weak. And so we are all caught up in this desperate desire to clothe our nakedness through our own strength and power. The book of Genesis tells the story of the Tower of Babel, which is a great illustration of this, that human beings who can't handle the fact that we are weak and frail and fragile they band together and they source all of the collective intellect and strength to build this great tower up to heaven, hoping to try to overcome their weakness and become like God. You know, the Tower of Babel, I think, is this perpetual symbol of the story of humanity and definitely the story of our modern world, where once again we are trying to become like God, but without God. You know, we're trying to become all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful through technology, through sourcing all of the world's intellect through the internet. But really, the whole pursuit of that is a desire to run away from the worst bits of our humanity, those parts of our human nature that causes us to rage against God. You know, no one ever gets angry at God because they are strong and beautiful and healthy. They always get angry at God because they're weak and sick or lonely or bored. These are the very parts of our humanity that Christ wanted to redeem or rather to try and show us that we're able to find him in the midst of those parts of who we are. What Jesus does, as I say, is, is the complete opposite. He walks into his humanity. And you notice this in the temptations that the devil brings to him. The basic temptation to turn these stones into bread. It's a desire to have control over the hunger of the human heart. You know, that, that, that helplessness. You know, to be taken to the top of the, the tallest mountain and see all the, all the countries of the world. You know, I'll give all of these to you if you bow down before me. It's that temptation to power, to, to be completely in control. But then also that temptation to be secure. You know, when he's taken to the top of the temple and threatened to be thrown to the bottom and saying, well, you know, call your angels to, to, to catch you. And he says, no. You see, what Jesus does is he chooses hunger. He chooses weakness and vulnerability he chooses to be nothing you know to not be in power to not be in control he basically chooses humanity he chooses the very things that we are 
desperately running away from every single day of our lives. And it's almost like he then turns to us and he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. You know, come and walk the way that I am walking. If you truly want to become who you were created to be, then this is the pathway. You know, we have spent every generation since the time of the Garden of Eden running away from our weakness and our vulnerability and our hunger. And suddenly here is this man inviting us to go the other direction. I think there is something about these 40 days in the desert where Christ is saying, embrace your boredom, embrace your loneliness, embrace your helplessness. And there, there is something completely revolutionary about this, which somehow we need to rediscover in our modern world. There is something very key to the spiritual life, I suppose, and, and the traditions that have come down to us, which really makes sense in light of this. They, they don't make a lot of sense except from in the context of this. You know, when we look at the, the tradition of things like fasting and self-denial, of taking things like the vow of poverty, you know, of denying yourself all sorts of things, all sorts of beautiful God-given things, on the surface we could say these, these are just weird. These make no sense. You know, there's a beautiful line in one of the essays by C.S. Lewis where he, he very clearly says that Christianity makes no sense because we, we basically say that poverty is evil and yet we then celebrate people who live poverty. We say that every hungry person should be fed and yet we then promote fasting. You know, we, we say that suffering is evil and yet we, we encourage people to take on penance and, and hardship for the spiritual journey. And really, I think what C.S. Lewis was trying to say was this stuff only makes sense if we understand the journey that Christ took and the way that Jesus was trying to lead us back to a rediscovery of what it is to be human. Now, in the spiritual journey, there is so much that could be said about all of these things, fasting, self-denial, penance. And I simply cannot do justice to any of them. But I I'd simply want to say that I, I think these are elements that we need to rediscover. You know, there is something so powerful about fasting. You know, fasting is a powerful prayer. It is extremely powerful in the spiritual battle as, as a form of intercession. But it's also an extremely powerful way of rediscovering that you're human. You know, there is something beautiful about being hungry. There is something beautiful about having to face the ugly internal battles that take place when you're trying to fast. There is something about it which actually reminds us that we are very fragile, frail creatures. And, and we need to celebrate the providence of God at every moment. In the same way, in terms of self-denial, you know, particularly... For most of us who live in a world which is so wealthy, you know, compared to any other generation in human history, the, the privilege and opportunity and wealth that we have is mind-blowing. There is something about intentionally reminding ourselves of our humanity, that we are we're creatures. You know, we, we didn't create this. 
And so we should be grateful for every single thing we have. Now, once again, there, there is something very powerful as a prayer, as, as a form of intercession, as a form of spiritual warfare in self-denial, you know, denying yourself comforts, denying yourself sleep, you know. The, the whole purpose of this is not that we are trying to celebrate suffering, but it's almost like we're trying to say that there is something intrinsically human that we've forgotten. You know, it's almost like the saints would take on these penances and these acts of self-denial as a way of training themselves so that they could start to see ordinary life differently. You know, where normally they would fight against the inconvenience and the suffering and the discomfort by intentionally training themselves to see this as a good and holy thing, as something which was intrinsically human, they were then able to deal with the hardships of life from a whole different perspective. I think very simply in in the spiritual journey, we need to come back, I suppose, to the path that Christ laid out for us. It's not a comfortable path, but there is a deep mystery to be discovered in the midst of it. You know, that every day you will find yourself experiencing hungers. You'll find yourself experiencing hardships. And fundamentally, you've got a choice about how you relate to that experience. You can sort of take the path that we've taken since the Garden of Eden and you can rage against God because of the hardships and the inconvenience and the difficulties. Or you can turn your mind towards the path that Jesus walked and realize that what's happening is right there in the middle of the most ordinary, uncomfortable experience of your day, Jesus is meeting you. That in a sense, that is a moment where you find yourself in the desert with Christ. And he's almost offering an invitation to you saying, will you fight against your humanity or will you walk into it and meet me there? Will you meet me in the place of hunger and weakness and vulnerability where you're not in control? And will you let me love you and show you the path of life right from there?